Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. This is Anthony Giuliano, and our guest tonight is Mike Kelly from Caliente. Mike, how you doing? Good. How about you? Good. You have a serious beard going on. I do. I'm, I'm envious. It's quarantine worthy. Yeah, you look like young Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an apprentice. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you're definitely not an elf. You're too tall for that. So we've ruled that out. Well, thanks for being with us here shortly before the holidays. You recently ran a marathon, correct? Yeah. yeah. So here's what I know about Mike Kelly's marathon experience. You originally going to run a marathon in Fargo. Right. Is that right? Right. And it being 2020, that was canceled and became a virtual race. So you ran a marathon on your own and you mapped it out and you did it and you had a little bit of support, Mm -hmm. but no water stations, no bathrooms along the way, unless they were of your own making. What was that like, that experience? You you know, it was... I'm in a unique spot because I travel a lot and I have four kids. So to to even think about doing a marathon wasn't on my radar until this year. You know, you get locked down and my kids aren't doing as many activities. To, to interject for just a second, yeah. how often in a typical year do you travel and, and how did that change this year? A third, a yeah. third of the time. Okay. So, And that's international as well. Yeah. So like to give you an example, yeah, a year ago. I'd spent six weeks overseas mm-hmm. in a year. Okay. So wow. it's it's a lot of... So, so you yeah. take that out of the equation, all of a sudden you've got some discretionary time. Yeah. 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 So I thought if I'm ever going to do it, this might be my one window to try it. And Fargo had announced even after COVID that they were going to run it, right? They were p- pretty clean up in North Dakota and they thought, yeah. okay, let's we're, we're going to be proactive. And then yep. I think everybody and their brother thought, boy, if I'm going to run a marathon, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. to Fargo. Yeah. And officials kind of get a little leery yeah. about that. So, yeah, I, I had it as a backup plan to run virtually on our trail system as much as I could mm-hmm. and then kind of finish that uh, the way the, the Fort for Fitness half finishes mm-hmm. up toward Parkview Field. Yeah. So I had run most of those. Yeah. I was familiar with it. And, and it was, you know, people said, well, you're not going to have the crowd and you're not going to have this. I said, that's true. But. I can recruit friends yeah. to run with me, and, and they would. They'd, yeah. they'd be standing along a corner yeah. and come run for three miles, and then duck out, and I'd have yeah. another friend. So it was, it was a, it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, you yeah. know, until yeah. I hit the wall at seventeen and a half yeah. miles. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. 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 So yeah. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank as you. A, as a fellow marathon completer, it's something they can never take away from you. Despite how old and slow and out of shape we get, <laughs> you can always say you did it. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Well, we're not here to talk about running, although we could all night. Um, we're here to talk about your career path, Mike, the organization that you founded, Caliente, and then some of the projects you're working on. Mm-hmm. So you have a really interesting career path. I've always been fascinated by the fact that, you know, uh, by by the fact you're you're not from a manufacturing background, and yet you founded and run a manufacturing company. And and just to digress for a second, you know, we call this the Asher Marketing Podcast, and most of the guests we have on it are in a full-time marketing role. Mike is someone who has a lot of different responsibilities, including the sales and marketing end of his business. So that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. But tell me a little bit how you went from sociology major (laughs) to running a successful manufacturing company. How does that happen? Yeah, so I went to IU and uh, studied econ for about the first year and a half, took a... a so were you, were yeah. you from Fort Wayne originally? No, I grew up an hour north of here, so I was born in Angola. Okay, yeah. got it. So lived out there, went to Lakeland High School. Yep. 
IU for econ and then found sociology and just loved that my sophomore year. So I switched my my major. And then toward the end of my junior year, my dad said, of course, you know, what are you going to do with a sociology degree when you graduate? So I got a business minor my last okay. year and parlayed that into a market research position okay. up at Group Deco in Kendallville. Yep. Yep. So that was a group at the time of 20 different small independently owned yep. companies that usually either had one really good product or one really good customer. Mm-hmm. And so my role was to come in and say, okay, what else can we do for this customer? What else, how else, who else can we sell this one product to? Mm-hmm. So they excelled at kind of that focus factory concept way okay. ahead of their time. Uh-huh. And so it was really then taking that and helping them diversify risk, you know, so that if that one customer went away or that one product changed, sure. that they had some, some diversification. Okay. So learn the manufacturing game there just by working with 20 different manufacturing companies. Yeah. Um, Spent a summer in Iowa and then okay. came back and worked for their heating group in North Webster ah, for five years. Okay. All right. So learned some of the heating business. Yeah. Found some areas that they just didn't want to go after. Yeah. You know, and on a whim started to put a list together of, sure. of these potentials. And by, you know, a year in, I had a little business plan and I, I started to put feelers out to people that I knew and said, you know, should I go try this? And another year goes by and I have a product and a building yep. and a funder and it's kind of like I went home and told my wife I said you know I, I feel like I should try this <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I joke I was the reluctant entrepreneur yeah, right yeah. like you know I kind of stumbled into this thing I guess I better go do yeah. it now everybody else seems to think I should right, do it right. why not me yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that was January of 01 yeah uh, nine months later my second daughter was born and 9-11 hit. Oh, wow. So, you, you know, you, you about as bad as yeah. the, the telecom industry was already in recession yeah, and it, it, it really hit the tank. So for two years, we kind of eked out a pretty mm-hmm. meager living. But then, you know, everything started to roar back and everything that we had preached kind of wow. came to be. So where, where was your facility originally? So we were at Fifth and Harrison where okay. Hop River is now. Okay. All so right. we were in 4,000 square feet there for All right. f- five years. So then you went to the old fun yeah. build. So you follow breweries. Basically. <laughs> no, the breweries follow us. <laughs> breweries follow you. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, Wayne Candy building for eight years yeah. and Summit, uh, Summit okay. City Brew Works was just building their space out when we moved. All right. And then purchased a facility just south of downtown on yeah. Wallace and now the distilleries across the okay, street. Okay, so you've moved up from beer to, to whiskey. <laughs> We're yeah. getting a little fancier. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I, I love doing this podcast, you know, this is all a scam. It's just for me to learn new things about people. <laughs> but I, I guess I knew some of your story, but I didn't know the group Deco connection. Mm-hmm. Did you, by any chance, work with Jennifer Fisher when she was there? Because she was another guest on the podcast and it, it's possible you didn't. But That was a long time ago. Okay, all yeah. right. I don't want to take the show completely <laughs> off the rails, so we'll consider that an, an unhealthy digression. Yeah. But, okay, so you're you're starting a business, you're somewhat reluctant about mm-hmm. it, you're having some success, you do it at a time when the economy is not great. Mm-hmm. How are you taking that business to a place where it matures, and, and talk to me about what it looked like when you started in terms of number of employees and, and how you grew it from there. Yeah, so we started with three of us, so manufacturing, engineering, and then myself on the sales side, and you know, I talk to JA classes all the time mm-hmm. about entrepreneurship. And what I tell them is, as an entrepreneur, you have to have a pretty wide field of view. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, business school typically gets you targeted down toward a specific major like accounting or yep. finance or law or whatever. 
I have to know a lot about a little bit about all of those mm-hmm. because any of those could sink me. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I could have the best product in the world. I could have great manufacturing, but if I don't know how to sell or market mm-hmm. it, yeah, yes, it, sure. it's, that's 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 my Achilles' heel. Sure. So, so that's you know that's I think one of the big things is is kind of having that wide wide field of view. Yeah. yeah. So did you have any background in engineering, any aptitude for that, or was that all? I got to find someone really smart to run that side of the business. Yeah, you know, I had a math bent. Um, so I, it, it, you know, I, I, I wasn't an engineer, but I, you know, I, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. It's, it's kind of how <laughs> yeah, I felt. Sure, like, sure. I, I, I could, I could talk enough, and yeah. I could ask enough questions. And really, that's I think where sociology, yeah. you know, how does sociology play in my business right now? Well, I ask a lot of good questions. I think, yeah, you know, and, sure. and hire right the right people, yeah, uh, and finding that expertise where we need it. But yeah, so. Um, I learned enough about the manufacturing side, and it's not rocket science. Sure. You know, once you kind of know the questions to ask, it's there's very few things that kind of fall out of that purview. So, yeah. you know, then it's just execute and repeat and yeah. learn how to be sustainable and all that. Yeah, so so other thoughts on entrepreneurship. Obviously, there's, there's huge risks involved and ideally huge rewards. What are some of the things that stand out to you when you think of your now, what is it, 20 years mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur? What stands out? You know, uh, and I tell the kids at JA a lot this too, is is that you kind of picture when you start a business, you're pushing all the poker chips in the table mm-hmm. and that's your big leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what I was surprised by was how many times you have to do that, mm-hmm. right? Just mm-hmm. about the time that you think you're, you're kind of doing well and getting comfortable, you might have a new opportunity come along and you have to hire an engineer yep. and invest a bunch of resources mm-hmm. to, to then go after this. And so you're kind of, or you may be making a certain amount of money, then you dip down again, and it's it's that, and then and then a recession hits. Mm-hmm. You know, we go through 08, 09 with the mortgage crisis, twenty fifteen. Both of our markets tanked at the same time. Mm-hmm. COVID has been another case where, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, we were actually we weathered this better than either of those. Mm. Interesting, it or not even with our sales being down thirty percent this year. Yeah, can you articulate why that is? We saw. I mean, we were far enough ahead of it. Got it. Um, we had, we had invested in a pretty large automotive program that we mm-hmm. had to back away from. Yep. So we had already kind of right sized mm-hmm. uh, from that standpoint. So the when it hit, it wasn't that we were looking to go from forty people to twenty. We were from twenty five to twenty. Yeah. So uh, I think it was a it was an easier transition sure. that way. Um, and we we kind of knew in talking with our customers that they were starting to clench up mm-hmm. and, and it's one of those, okay, then, you know, we're not spending, we're yeah. not sure. Uh, so you just, this year felt like kind of writing it out, yeah. just survive. And then it, it was a lot like Oh one, when mm-hmm. we started, just yeah. survive this, yeah. you know, hunker down and survive yeah. and then keep investing, keep investing smartly. Yeah. And then it'll blow you know, blow back up in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the organization called Caliente. My first question is, how many times do people order Cuban sandwiches from <laughs> you or think that you know how to make a... You, you know, it's what's surprising <laughs> is not as often as I had hoped <laughs> because then I could ask them yeah. to bring some by. So just to clarify for everyone, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's still in operation, but there was a restaurant in Fort Wayne called Caliente. Mm-hmm. And when I would tell people, oh, Mike Kelly, the owner of Caliente, they would go on and on about how great the restaurant was. And I would say, no, no, different, no. different Caliente. Yeah, but the funny thing is we get calls because there was another Caliente 
manufacturing company uh-huh. that made heaters okay. for Chipotle. Okay, so a little closer. And apparently, yeah. these things weren't very well built because oh, we oh, get no. <laughs> a lot of service calls okay. of people wanting a replacement part for their Chipotle yeah. burrito warmer, and we're yeah. like, uh, I don't think they exist anymore. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting little side note. Yeah. So tell us about the the caliente that that you know and love. What does your operation do, and and where do you stand out? Who who are some of the some of the industries you work with? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we're an overglorified t-shirt shop is what I say. So okay. we, we silk screen conductive inks through okay. screens. So okay. if you came into our shop, it would look like we're printing t-shirts, mm-hmm. but those inks are loaded with conductive particles, either carbon or silver. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you dry those through an oven, they become a conductive path, just like a real thin flat wire. Okay. So by sandwiching those between two sheets of film, we wind up with a really thin, flat, efficient heating element okay. that can be spread over a large surface. And it's why we can export the products that we do is because they're so thin and flat. You know, we can easily and efficiently package a lot of parts together. Mm-hmm. So we export 25% of what we do okay. all around the globe. Okay. Um, Matter of fact, we barely have a customer in Indiana. Really? So it's, it's, huh. it's, that's our, we, we sell into the telecommunication market. So we do a lot of battery heating for the telecom industry for yep. cell phone sites. Mm-hmm. We do uh, thermal targets for the military. Yep. So we pl- supply bases around the world for those. And then uh, a lot of what we're doing now are electric vehicle battery heaters. Mm-hmm. So parlaying that in from or the the expertise that we had in the telecom side into the electric vehicle market. So it's basically wrapping those batteries to give them longer longer life because yep. the warmer they stay, the more the longer the battery lasts. Correct. Yeah. yeah. In some cases, you can't even charge a battery if it gets too cold. Okay. So uh, in a lot of cases, we're bringing that battery pack up to temperature so it can even take a charge. Okay. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about the military application again I don't want you to give away any secrets but that's one that I think is a little bit less intuitive mm-hmm. what exactly are you doing and how are the military folks using that and obviously we don't want to get in trouble with the yeah. Department of Defense but share whatever you can <laughs> yeah so um, the, a funny story on that is we were going after two telecom customers for seven years and they wouldn't give us the time of day mm-hmm. They both called us in one week, and I thought, something is up. Mm-hmm. So I called our competitor that had been supplying him, and he said, oh, we're, we've got this huge contract for thermal targets. And I thought, great. You know, I was excited to have his telecom customers. Yeah. <laughs> he was excited to have the new contract. Sure. But in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta research this at some point. Yeah. It took probably two years to figure out what he was making, okay. where he was selling, yeah. and then and then to go through, you have to go through and file for a lot of codes mm-hmm. with the government to even be able to sell to them, let alone find where they're posting sure. their, their bids. So it was a two or three year development process before we really got the lay of the land and put our legs underneath of us. And then, you know, we found, a, like anything else, we found a, a, a way to do it better, smarter, faster, and cheaper, yeah. and then went to market and really have done well in that space. Yeah, yeah. So so basically what we do is we're taking that real thin flat heater and making it in the shape and thermal signature of either a person or a tank or a mm-hmm. truck. Mm-hmm. And they'll actually flip these up using lifters downrange from behind a berm. And they have scopes either on their weapon or in their vehicle. And their job is to not only 
you know, identify that there's a threat down there. Sure. But they can identify whether it's a friendly or a foe, mm. depending on, on, on how the heat signature is. Okay. And then engage or not engage. Okay. So it's really a two-tiered system that we have. So it's training in, in effect yep. for, huh, yeah. interesting. And, and it's the jet, Gillette razor blade model of the heater world. Okay. In that they, they then blow holes in them and okay. we get to send them more. Oh, got it. Right. right. So it's, it's, <laughs> so it's not the so disposable. much the sale, it's the, it's the, it's the replacement parts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Yeah, we love disposable heaters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So you, you in the you know at the outset of the business, you had three employees. Mm-hmm. How, how many now? About twenty. About twenty-two. Okay. Yeah. And what what are those folks doing? What's the makeup of your employees? So we've got probably eight in the front office. So a couple engineers, plant manager, purchasing person that handles mm-hmm. HR as well. Um, and then we've got most, the majority of people are in the back doing light assembly work. So yep. either that printing or the back end assembly. How, how involved do you have the opportunity to be? I'll use that phrase. How, <laughs> how involved do you have the opportunity to be in the hiring of these folks, mentoring, you know, all that stuff? Or is that something that you try to delegate to other folks? I do. I yep. do try to delegate as much as I can. Yep. So I, I focus on kind of the high level growth. And then mm-hmm. Denise runs our operations. So she does all the hiring and firing and all the decisions in the plant and then we've got the, the couple engineers and, and that's how we run. So she, she functions kind of like our general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Got it. And I'm more the seeker. All right. So, so how much, obviously sales is a huge part of your mm-hmm. job. Talk to me about the sales and marketing component. How much of that falls on your plate? What are you doing with the, with the parts that don't fall on your plate? How is that job getting done in your organization? Yeah. So, um, we do. So from a marketing standpoint, we're unique as a manufacturer in that we don't have local customers, you know, so we're not advertising anywhere locally. Yep. Uh, really, how we go to market is Google ads. Mm-hmm. So we're buying keywords through Google yep. and trying to find people that are looking for electric vehicle battery heaters or so we have several different campaigns that go on there. Yeah. So people are raising their hand through intent, yes. saying that they're looking for this. Good chance they're in the market to buy it if they're searching for it. You don't right. have a lot of hobbyists yeah. who are looking right. for this stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you get we get somewhere it's one or they only want one or two. I've yeah. got a generator sure. that yeah. I'd like to put a, a heater pad on my battery, and we said, well, you know, it's not going to make any sense for us to sure. fill that up. Sure. So. Um, but that's been extremely effective. Before COVID, we did probably six trade shows a year in mm-hmm. very concentrated mm-hmm. industries. So telecom, EV, and military each had yep. particular shows that, that did well. So then from those, we called together a, a mail list. And, and through that and market research, yep. is you just keep working those lists. Yep. And as projects come up, yeah. Um, that's that's really how we get the majority of our new business besides the Google ads. Yeah, yeah. And in the trade shows, when, when those were a thing, and mm-hmm. hopefully they will be again someday, you are actually attending those and representing the brand, right. correct? Right. Tell us a little bit about that experience, because I think that's a... That's a world people either know really well or it's a mystery. <laughs> what is that experience like? What have you learned about trade show marketing that, that works and doesn't work? Yeah, it is a whole different ecosystem it's almost like when you walk into an airport it's it's like a city in and yeah. of itself that's that's kind of what the trade shows like um, what we would try to do again because we've been doing the show and it depends on where you are in that market yeah. when when you're first going to market you're just trying to pull every ad it's just or awareness. every new lead in that you can it's awareness it's yeah. getting your brand out there yeah. yeah but in most cases we've done these shows multiple years so then it's you've you've already got a list and we, we if we do one thing well we do data gathering and mm-hmm. and kind of culling that well 
So I know my 2017 attendees, I know my 2018 attendees, and we would work those lists well ahead of time, try to set up appointments ahead of time. So so you're not risking them happening to come by your booth. They know exactly where we are. Hopefully we have a specific time to talk with them. So you've done pre-marketing to to make the most of the opportunity. Yeah. 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 And, and, And the other thing was, too, a lot of these conferences, a lot of these trade shows would have conferences tied with them. Mm -hmm. And there were people at the conferences that we really wanted to meet. Yeah. And we didn't want to risk them not coming to our booth. So we would usually have at least one person in the conferences Uh bird dogging them after their talks to say, hey, we'd like you to come by. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. So we tried, you know, all kinds of guerrilla type tactics to, to, to make sure that we were efficiently using because even for a small company in a small booth you're investing five to ten thousand dollars per show yeah Yeah. in in booth space getting your materials there if it's overseas it's it's way more than that so it's um you know you want to make sure that that uh, even you know that doesn't sound like a lot of money but i still i'm a steward of the of our resources at that company, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm spending oh, sure. them well. So sure, yeah. So so let's talk about the effect of 2020. You know, because I, I would I would imagine that if you're like most people, you didn't really see this coming to the to the extent that it's it's hit all of us. You know, the analogy in my world is a big part of my professional life was public speaking at live events, mm-hmm. and I remember distinctly saying in early March of 2020, "Boy, I wish the world would just stop and be careful what you wish for," because right. it did, and all that. That went out the window, which was good and bad. You're all of a sudden hit with, you got all these trade shows planned, they're a big piece of your sales and marketing plan, and then all of a sudden, not so much. How'd you respond to that? What'd you do to replace it, if anything? And, and obviously, you saved some money, but what was the net effect of that? Yeah, I mean, it's... And again, I think we were fortunate in that none of them are, were we at the beginning of the scale in terms of trying to get our brand out yep. and trying to build that awareness. So we had the leads. The Google ads were still working well. We diverted more yep. resources toward that. Um, we still saw good you know, new inquiry activity um, and then was just working that list. Yep. So it, it, you know, it saved me a lot of time. Sure, sure. And like you yeah. said, a lot of dollars yeah. not being on the road. But and, and there have been some people that have tried to pivot to virtual shows. I haven't attended one, yeah. so I don't know how, how successful they've been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, I understand what they're trying to do. I don't know how, you know... Yeah, we we didn't feel it was worth the investment. Sure, sure. Well, if the, if it's a relationship marketing thing at this point, you yeah. know, I, I know we had Randy Rusk on the show not too long ago. Randy was with Do It Best. They mm-hmm. run a giant market that's twice a year, and he mentioned, you know, s- still performing great from a sales standpoint, but they really miss the relationship piece mm-hmm. because that's hard to replicate, as yeah. we all know. Yeah. So so you know the 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 message here, I think, is don't have all your marketing eggs in one basket. You know, yeah. I. I talk to a lot of people who are like, well, we have a Facebook page. We don't need a website. I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) good luck with Facebook doesn't necessarily have your best interests in mind. Sorry, Facebook. But, you know, you need to diversify your marketing efforts just as you need to diversify the Mm -hmm. products you offer and the industries you serve Mm -hmm. because you just 2020 has proven to us that you just never know. Right. Yeah. So let's talk um, anything else about Caliente that you think is important for people to know. Mm. 
I think we've hit the major okay. points. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the projects. Again, don't share anything you're uncomfortable sharing or that's proprietary, but some of the major projects that you're working on, big things that are occupying a lot of your time, that are keeping you up at night, that get you excited, maybe a little bit of both. What, what's on your plate now that's substantial? Yeah, we've uh, large, largely, we, we just picked up a large military contract with one of the bigger con- um general contractors for the that sells into the military so they they manage ranges at 60 different bases across the world mm-hmm. so that's going to be you know a, a very healthy addition to our business uh, most of the new things that we're working on are targeted toward that electric vehicle market mm-hmm. so we see a lot of things that we can't talk about in terms of product development and what new vehicles look yeah, like sure what autonomous features are in them it's yeah. That's exciting. I mean, yeah. it's it's fun, especially when you start to see them finally roll out and you can actually talk about it. Yeah. But, um, there are a lot of heaters, even beyond just heating the battery. Um, if you think about uh, how much heat or how much energy is used, it's a 4.5 kilowatt heater that heats your cabin in your car. Okay. So if you think about how much energy that would take to heat a cabin during the winter, yeah. that can consume a lot of your battery. As sure. a matter of fact, up to half of your battery could go to just toward heating your cabin. Huh. So what they're trying to do is find ways to to not use so much energy, mm-hmm. and that can be localized heating. So that's why you're seeing more heated steering wheels, mm-hmm. You know, the seat heaters obviously as well. Yep. But there's all kinds of targeted ways that they're trying to heat okay. uh, the occupant without basically having a hairdryer blowing on you. Okay. So that's that's some of the and interesting is, is things. Is that saving the mechanical energy for other things? Mm-hmm. I, if I say any more, I'm going to get out of my depth. So I'll, st- I'll quit while I'm ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, All you're, right. you're doing fine. Okay, good. Yeah. It, it, just picture, I mean, your battery's like a big pot of money. Yeah. Right? If I'm using half of my money sure. to heat the cabin, it's half that, yeah. that it's not going toward range sure. or, or efficiency sure. and all the things that they're trying to do there. So yeah. you either have to double the size of your pack or you find a way to be sure. smarter about how you use your thermal. Sure, sure. Yeah. So so you're on the kind of the forefront of some of that innovation and mm-hmm. seeing what's happening, which is is fun. What, what else is going on? What else are big things that are on your mind that are affecting the business in ways that are challenging and ways that are they're positive. Yeah. It, um, interesting thing right now is we're in the midst of selling our building, mm-hmm. which sounds counterintuitive. But what we've found is there's a whole investor class that likes to buy buildings that have industrial occupants to them. Mm-hmm. And so they are buying a guaranteed return on their investment over a 10 year period. Mm-hmm. And we get a chunk of change out of the building that we normally wouldn't have. And you get out of the facilities management exactly. business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's in essence a bit of an outsource, yeah. but it's also a way to take some capital out. Yeah. And actually we're going to reinvest that in the business. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a win-win in, in a lot of ways. So I've been consumed with learning if this was a real thing, first of all, mm-hmm. because when you get a cold call letter, you think, okay, is this some type of scam? Or, yeah. You know, what are they trying to pull? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So we got the letter back in January and I, I kind of ran it by my accountant and he's like, yeah, it would make sense if it's right. And, yeah. and then COVID hits and the guy dries up. Sure. So sure. I think, okay, this maybe is a scam. Yeah. But I, then I talked to a realtor friend a couple months ago and she's like, oh no, that's not a scam. Huh. That's, that's a real thing. And Interesting. I, you know, I think yeah. not only not only was he, we, we were excited about his offer. She's like, I think you can do even better than that. And yeah. I thought, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Let's yeah. go run so, with this. So, so to be clear, you're going to stay where you are. Right. Someone else is just going to own the, the facility. Yeah. Somebody yeah. will own the facility. We'll yeah. actually pay all the utilities and all that and the maintenance. But 
but yeah, we, it's yeah. a way for us to get some capital back out yeah. of that building. Yeah, no, I clarify that for all the aspiring, aspiring breweries in the region <laughs> right. who are like, where are they going next? Right. We're going to open up, we gonna open up right. across the street. Yeah, they're going to be chasing us again. Yeah. No, we're going to be locked in for probably actually 15 years. Okay. So we're, we're, we made the investment because we wanted to be downtown. We yeah. wanted to be part of the redevelopment, especially in the urban core. Yeah. I sit on the seed board, which mm-hmm. is the Urban Enterprise Association. Yeah. That's our old mission in life is to try to get more people thinking about putting business downtown and yeah. in that urban core, especially underserved communities. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's been rewarding too to kind of give back. Sure. A you wanna you wanna live by example. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of the reason why we said, you know, how often do you have a chance to be a really good steward in that area of town? Yeah. I sure. said let's we're going to consciously do this yeah. and show that this worth, part of town is worth investing in. Yeah. So it's been it's been a really good. We've been there almost six years now. Yeah. And it's been great. Yeah. Well, well, that's great. That's great. Sounds like a lot of good things are happening. Well, let's go to the speed part of the program <laughs> where we sort of condense those three conversations into some quick hits, some quick takeaways for the folks who are listening. First thing I want to focus on is career path. Mm-hmm. Um, and just quickly, what's your advice? And it could be for people who are looking for success in their career. It could be for aspiring entrepreneurs. could be a combination of those mm-hmm. things. What's your best advice when it comes to career success, building a career path, all those things? I guess from an entrepreneur's standpoint, um, I would say there are a lot of resources available through the seed mm-hmm. that weren't available 20 years ago. So start to tap into those. Can, can you just define what seed is for yeah. those who might not be familiar? So the summit economic entrepreneurship district yep. and so it's meant to encourage entrepreneurship and and small business within the urban core okay. and with underserved communities got it so there are classes where you write a business plan there's classes where you're hooked up with some mentors mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're already got a business and you're looking to scale it up mm-hmm. um, there's incubator and or uh, accelerator type opportunities so okay. anywhere you are along that it, that that development phase, there there are resources now mm-hmm. um, that very well qualified resources and mentors that can uh, ca- kind of help you through writing the business plan and poking holes in it and getting yep. you in touch with the resources that you need to start things. So, I would encourage people to do that if they're there uh, on the career path. You know, be an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that that's that. I don't want to be flip about it, but. Uh, and I think a lot of people, especially younger generation, are starting to see that as, okay, if I can do this on my own as a contractor, are there contractor-type opportunities out there where you can be a solopreneur or or, or part of a small group? Um, I think that's it, it's, it's way easier to do that now in the social media era yeah. than it was pre-social yeah. media. You know, it's yeah. easier to network and get your name out and your brand out cost-effectively yeah. yeah. than it would have been uh, prior to that. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's... And I guess to everyone else, it's, it's you know, you got to scrap and claw like everybody. Yeah, yeah. It takes <laughs> be, hard work. Be creative. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. put the time and effort in. Yeah, there are no shortcuts. No. Yeah, for no. sure. No. For sure. And if, if anyone has any shortcuts that have actually <laughs> let worked, let us know. please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the second one has to do with your organization. Mm-hmm. Somebody stops you, and I'm sure this happens all the time at a trade show, and says, you know, I have two minutes. What's Caliente all about? What do you say? 
Yeah, we're we're we make the best heating elements in the world. It's, that, that's that's I mean it's that, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We yeah. kind of joke about it, but mm-hmm. that's that's really what we're after is the the most cost effective, quality on time and consistently yeah. make very thin, flat, efficient heating elements. And there's there's places where our parts just don't fit. Mm-hmm. There there are markets where we're going to get crushed with competition because they're more automated than we yeah. are. But we've got a mid market niche that we do very very well in mm-hmm. our. Mm-hmm. Our customers love us. Um, we've we've built great success, and we've diversified by doing that. And so that's you know we have maybe six to eight competitors worldwide. Yeah. So yeah. it's it tells you that it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Sure. You know we say if it were easy, anybody could yeah, do it. You've so, just figured out a way to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We've put the time and resources in, and have have enough systemic knowledge that. You know, we, we, we know our stuff. So, so how difficult, I'm going to digress here again for a second. Um, this has been the digression show, but, um, how difficult is it to stay disciplined in that focus? Because it's It's, really easy to say, well, maybe if we go over here, we'll have some success. We've had multiple, and and I, I heard this early on and I need to have it drilled in my head because they, they said that if you're a successful company, you will never struggle for things to do. Mm -hmm. It's more struggling to stay focused Mm -hmm. what you do well. Yeah. And, I, and, and part of that, you, you have to balance it with, you know, another rule of sales is once you've got a customer base, what else can you bring to that, that customer base? Yeah. And most of our spurs always kind of centered around that, but we've never found anything that really did as well. Uh, we, we had blower heaters that really didn't get a whole lot of traction. We got into thermoelectric mm-hmm. solid state coolers that mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of traction, had to walk away from that. On the military side, that was one of our forays that really succeeded. Mm-hmm. But then we looked at putting our heaters on these robots, self these autonomous robots that would run around a range and mm-hmm. that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We got out of that just in time. Yeah. So that's and, and that's the other thing too, is you always have to be questioning and looking at yourself and saying, Okay, this may have made sense two or three years ago, but does it make sense now? Yeah. Do, and and not viewing the investment that you made as I'm losing money. That's that's sunk cost. Mm-hmm. It's it's from this point on. Yeah. Do I want to continue sure. pouring money? And and I'll tell you, we we had a massive electric vehicle project that we had to walk away from, just because it could have buried us. Yeah. And when we looked at ourselves, we said, you know, we're a good, we're a really good company without it, mm-hmm. but with it, it could kill us. Yeah. So yeah. at some point, you have to. You have to really be able to look yourself in the mirror and tell you know tell yourself sure. the hard truths that yeah maybe we're in over our heads yeah and and no shame in in having something less than infinite risk tolerance yeah. um, you know it's it, it might pay off but it, it absolutely might not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it got to a point where it, it, it was we we could, we could do two of the three things at once but we can do all three and trying to do all three would have just buried us so yeah. Um, that was one of the smarter decisions we made. Sometimes the best deals are the deal you don't make. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, we've we kind of regrouped after that and sure. we're really on a good on a on a good path now. Yeah. So all right. So one more question for you. And this one I'm gonna I'm gonna change up a little bit. You know, typically what I've been asking people is in this environment where people are going through all kinds of challenges, what's your advice if someone is is struggling either as an entrepreneur or in their career or, or in any facet of dealing with life in 2020? But I'll say very genuinely, one of the things I admire most about you is how balanced you seem to be. Mm. And let me 
elaborate on that. You know, and, and, uh, and you know, and there's more than meets the eye for sure. But you know, you're a person who has four kids. Mm-hmm. You have a a spiritual life that I know is important to you, and and you know, you and I have talked about that. You have a a business that's doing well. You're have completed a marathon, you have, you know, you, you take care of yourself. You are a volunteer. For those who don't know, Mike and I both serve on the Fort Wayne Trails Board. Mike's involved in, in other programs, including SEED. How do you do that? And and how would you advise people who are looking to have a fulfilling and diverse life to, to make that happen and balance all the stuff that comes with that? Uh, I know that's a really big it, question, it, so it, take your time. It, it is, and, and part of it is there, there are a couple things. If I know if I don't do what I'm supposed to do or what I'm called to do, I'm mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the first part of it is kind of being true to who I am and yeah. what I'm called to. Because if I don't, then things get off the rails. Sure. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's just managing time and understanding there's going to be nights I'll be working on my laptop till 10 o'clock mm-hmm. because I went to yeah. my son's basketball game. Sure. That's, you know, that, uh, to, to, to not be rigid about how you think about your work life or mm-hmm. when you do what, where. Yeah, um, which I think is one of the great benefits of 2020. I do too. Is, is you know, I've realized that, and I apologize in advance to my coworkers at Asher Agency and my clients, but all my work does not have to happen between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Right. If you know, there's something that is important that has to happen between 2 and 3 p.m., and I move those hours with something that's discretionary in terms of how the time is used to 6 and 7 p.m., nothing bad happens. Right. It still gets done. Right. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, and I think you'll agree, but you also have to be, to be disciplined about Okay, at some point I have to turn this off. Yes. At some point yes. I do need to get my running in. Yes. At, you know, it, you you have to you have to be respectful of sure. those pockets. Or, sure. Um, sure. Well, and you know, for me, I've learned a lot about what not to do. <laughs> and one of the things that has put me in a much better position in a lot of different ways is I actually wrote down what what are the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. And number one was health. Mm-hmm. So when I wake up in the morning and the bed is warm and the outdoors is not, and I say, am I going to go for a run today? <laughs> There's compelling evidence that says the answer should be yes. Mm-hmm. And everything else is secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, work has to be in the top three, but there's yeah. some days when it's number three. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, a lesson that maybe I should have learned a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any tips, any any secrets, any hacks about time management, knowing how many different ways you spend your time and, see to, see to, and seem to do them all pretty effectively? Yeah, the, the thing I heard recently that really that really resonated with me was that we spend a lot of time in our own heads debating about should I do this or should I do that mm-hmm. and and there's a discernment process but in a lot of cases we know we should sure and it's just we're stalling and delaying and the longer you're in your head doing that the, the, the less likely it's going to get done mm-hmm. so what they said is okay if I need to go right I go to sit down at the laptop yeah. and I just start writing and it sounds simple and yeah. it sounds stupid but yeah. it's true yeah you know stop Stop overanalyzing things in yep. your head and just yep. go sit down and start doing it. Yeah. Get up out of bed, yep. put your warm weather gear on and just go start running. Yeah. You know, it's it's 
Yeah. Well, and a lot of it's removing friction. You know, I there's some people who think I'm OCD and nuts, and they might be right, but I put my running stuff out the night before. Yeah. So there it is, staring me in the eye when right. I wake up. Yeah. And I either have to say no to the thing I said yes to the night before, or before I wake up, put it on and go for a run, and then I wake up pretty quickly when it's 25 degrees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, and I think making appointments. So one of the, yeah. the best things I saw about marathon training was, okay, here's... Here's when you run, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He, there's how many miles. Saturday, you do a long mm-hmm. run, build in some recovery time. And I just booked all that time out. Yeah. You know, I knew when I could do it. I knew how many miles I needed to do. And by making it an appointment mm-hmm. versus just something like, okay, I'm going to do it when I get home. Well, then you get home and you have X, Y, and Z to do. And then it's nine o'clock and you haven't run yet. Yeah. So. I get home, I'm going to run from 6 to 6.30. Yep. You know? Yeah. It, it's treating the, the priorities in your life as as much of a priority as the things that other people ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really saying those things, if, if I wait for extra time, they're not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of not having any extra time, <laughs> I want to make sure we make good use of your time. Mm-hmm. So with all the things you have going on, I really appreciate you taking time for us and to be on our podcast tonight, Mike genuinely admire everything you do and glad to hear that you're having success doing it. Well, you as well. I appreciate the invite and great to be with you, Anthony. And thanks everyone for listening. We are going to take a short hiatus over the holidays, but we will be back in 2021 with more great guests. We hope to see you then. Thanks for listening. 